Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for coming to this Bible lesson. Why did God create Barah Ministries? Well, it's a home for Christians to worship the one and only God, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we worship him because he is God and because we have an unbreakable relationship with him. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, the Lord predicts his future. He says, when the Son of Man, Jesus, the Christ, comes in his glory, he's coming back for us, and all the elect angels come with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne on earth during the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. You know, a lot of people who are afraid that the world is coming to an end. Well, when this age that we're in, the church age, ends with the exit resurrection of church age believers, the, the world has a minimum of 1,007 years left. So we're not anywhere near the end. And we're going to get a chance to witness the Lord in his 1,000-year millennial reign. And that's going to be amazing. That's a promise directly from the Lord. And we will see his promise come true. Why do we study the Word of God? The Lord wants you to learn the Word verse by verse from His perspective and not from man's perspective. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, The wild grass withers, the wild flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. And when you study the Word of God and you're taking this into your soul and it's being imprinted on your soul, it never goes away. It's always refreshing to get nourishment from a permanent source. And by studying the Word of God, Christians get to know the Lord and His thoughts. Permanent and never-failing truth. And God the Holy Spirit sears those thoughts into our souls when we study. We, le- we learn that there is a divine solution for every human problem. But God has an enemy, Satan, whom the Lord made temporarily the ruler of this world. Satan is an identity thief. He influences believers who are in union with Christ to believe when we have tribulation, it's because God doesn't love us or that God is punishing us for some sin that we've committed. What Satan is saying is that the Lord, who is the head, doesn't love his body, the people he's in union with. That's a complete lie. Our union with Christ is our identity as Christians. The Lord's half-brother, 
says in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, believers in Christ, when you encounter trials of many kinds, James 1, 3, knowing that the testing of your faith during trials produces endurance. And what is endurance? It's patience in the face of difficulties. It's always funny to me that people are trying to gravitate to this life where there is no trial. Well, your body ought to tell you that that's stupid because the way you get your body stronger is to put it under trial. You lift weights, you do aerobics, you do Pilates, whatever that is, and (laughs) you do yoga, and you are putting your body under tremendous strain for the purpose of having your body grow. And so if that's true in the, in the body realm with exercise, how much more true is it in the spiritual realm? We should enjoy the times when we have tribulation. We should consider it pure joy. Christianity requires stamina, and stamina produces maturity. And in a state of maturity, believers in Christ display the fruit of God the Holy Spirit. Today's Bible lesson, Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? Well, if all the messages your parents sent as they raised you could be put into an envelope and you had to pick a word that would summarize the messages inside the envelope, what would the word be? My older son answered the question, focus. I think the answer is teaching. I was always looking for teachable moments with my sons to equip them to live a life beyond their wildest dreams. For my mom, the word would be admonition. Every message from my mom was designed to instruct, to advise, and to warn. Paul's letter to the Colossian believers is an admonition as well. He is advising these first century believers to move away from false teachers and false teaching. And he is warning them of things of which to be beware. In the last two chapters of Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapters 3 and 4, which we'll be studying over the next few weeks, Paul instructs both the Colossian believers and current-day believers how to demonstrate our commitment as Christians to the Lord, to his gospel message, and to his word. Well, let's hear some music. False teachers with their false teaching are full of the yagadas of life, the list of rules, rituals, and regulations believers in Christ gotta follow to be more spiritual. Actually, God the Holy Spirit is responsible for changing us. We don't change ourselves. Here's the Maranatha Praise Band who reminds us in their song to keep on asking God the Holy Spirit for a gift. Change my heart, O God.
pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for uh, the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for teaching us how to learn. Thank you for providing the best teacher in divine history, God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us the perfect curriculum of truth in your Word, the Bible. Thank you for showing us the opposite of truth, lies, things propagated by false teachers and their false teachings sponsored by your enemy and ours, Satan. As we continue to learn your word, help us to have the spiritual eyes to see, the spiritual ears to hear, and the spiritual wisdom to discern when we are adopting things into our lifestyle that are dangerous for us. Help us to rid ourselves of things dangerous and help us to believe your truth and not Satan's lies. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? Do you know who you are in union with Christ? And I'll, I'll just save you the suspense, and the answer is no. By the way, today the last survivor of the attack of, on Pearl Harbor died. And so at 101 years old, so please uh, keep his family in your prayers. So the Lord wants believers in Christ to know who they are as a result of their union with him. So my questions are, do you really know who you are in union with Christ? Do you know what the Lord wants for your life? Do you spend any time? in scheduled reflection about spiritual things. I ask these questions of people studying the Word of God. Now, the people who aren't studying the Word of God, the answer is an absolute no, but 
for people who are studying the Word of God, I think the word is no as well. As a pastor of a Christian church and as a consultant who specializes in focus, which is the ability to live free from distraction, I can tell you from four-plus decades of experience guiding thousands of people all around the world in 30 countries on six continents that for most people, the answer to these questions are no. Despite Bible study, most Christians don't understand who they are in union with Christ. I'll even go further. I think most Christians don't even understand that they are in union with Christ. Because if they, if they knew that they were in union with Christ, if they knew that Christ put them in that union, there's no way that they would ever be able to think that they could lose their salvation. Because if Christ does something, it can't be undone. When Christ opens a door, nobody can shut it. When Christ opens a window, nobody can shut it. Because he has all the power. So despite Bible study... Most Christians don't understand who they are in union with Christ. Most Christians don't know what the Lord wants for their lives. God, you know, God's got a plan. You know, God's got a plan. He does. He has a plan for mankind, and he has a personal plan for you. Do you know what it is? Well, you, if you don't spend quality scheduled time finding that out, in other words, if you don't value the fact that you are a spiritual being, And that part of your life is is the spiritual life. And that is the most important part of your life. Then, no, you won't know. And most Christians don't really spend much time reflecting on what they want from life. So as, as a lifelong teacher, this truth absolutely kills me to the depth of my soul. Because teachers want students and teachers want their students to excel. And... The way you excel is by learning. So last year I studied the four Gospels among the other books of the Bible of the New Testament that I study. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I studied them in great detail and I know that I am not alone in the pain of what it's like to be a teacher. It pained the Lord as well. His desire for his creatures to learn the truth was rejected regularly. People wanted his miracles, but they didn't want his message. And so people were more interested in what they wanted to experience than what the Lord wanted them to learn. And that is true of most learners today. Most learners will go to the coach and tell the coach what they want to learn. Coaches know what you need to learn. They don't need your help. The reason that they are coaches is because they know more than you. So you ought to just put yourself in the hands of coaches. Tell them, generally speaking, what you want to accomplish and let the coaches take you through the things that will equip you to be tough in the situations that you have to be tough in. All of us learn from teachers. All of us came here as tabula rasa, it's a Latin expression, it means as blank slates. In other words, you didn't come here holding any viewpoint that you have. The atheist who says there is no God, that person was not born 
with that viewpoint. They didn't pop out of the womb and says, hi, everybody, I'm Rory Clark, and I just want you to know there is no God. All of these things that we hold as beliefs or, or ways of functioning or principles are all things that we adopted from teachers. So who your teachers are is very important. You come here knowing nothing. And you select your teachers. Some teachers teach the truth. Some teachers teach lies. In Satan's kingdom, the false teachers always seem to be winning, even with believers in Christ. And I fear that people no longer know how to learn valuable things. Let me repeat that. I fear that people no longer know how to learn valuable things because everybody expects to learn everything they need to know in a 30-second soundbite. That's not how learning really happens. They're settling for lies. They hate repetition. They're exposing themselves on an absolutely mind-bogglingly alarming amount of time to Satan's world system of thought while simultaneously turning their back on the truth. And as a teacher, it is really painful to watch. Most people, and I do mean most people, just get up, wander into the day, and hope that the day carries them somewhere significant. Many people are like driftwood floating on the ocean, letting the current carry them. Most people have viewpoints about life that they adopted 20 years ago. And they haven't changed one thing. And when you sit with them, they're absolutely boring to listen to because they're just recycling the same old stale thoughts over and over and over with no discernment about whether their thoughts are true or false. They hold false views about people. They hold false views about things in the world. They hold false views about how life actually operates. They are wishful thinkers. They hope that the world adapts to their viewpoint, and it never does. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, talk a bit about what the Lord wants for Christian lives. Here's what it says. And the Lord gave spiritual gifts, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. In other words, what? God gives us spiritual gifts that can be used to teach, to equip other people. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ, to build muscle in the body of Christ. When you're part of a church, you need to make a contribution to the church. And Deacon Denny gets up here every week and says the same thing to you. It's time, it's talent, it's treasure. Why? Because the church is a body, and if one part of the body isn't functioning, then the body doesn't function as well as it ought to. My back is not functioning properly right now. And that puts stress on every other part of my body. It puts stress on my hamstrings. It puts stress on my knees. It puts stress on the back of my neck and shoulders. 
And that's what happens when in a church when the body isn't functioning properly. The other people in the church have to compensate, and they do double duty, and it's stressful. But that's not the way God set it up, and that's not the way he wants it to operate. When you're on a team, you want all the players on the team to do their part to create the victory. So God gives these teachers for the building up of the body of Christ, this group of church-age believers, Ephesians 4.13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. We are, as believers in Christ, in unity. And when we attain to the unity of the faith, what it means is that we will understand what unity is really all about and we'll operate that way. And until we all attain to the knowledge of the Son of God, that's one of the things. You know, Baram Ministries is a simple unit. All we want is for you to know who the Lord is when you close while while you're here on earth and when you close your eyes in this life and to to know what he thinks that's all we're doing here you know this is not complicated but you go to other churches and what are they doing they're giving you a concert they're giving you friends they're giving you the divorce ministry they're giving you the child ministry they're giving you all these other things but when you get into each one of those, what's usually absent is Christ and his word. See? And as Christians, we have to use discernment. And we have to say, wait a second. Yeah, this is really good, but I can go to a concert without going to church. There are a lot of concerts without going to church. I can go to a lot of places where divorced people hang out. But is Christ there? Is the word there? Is the truth there? That's really the question. But people aren't making those decisions, making decisions about churches that way today. And, you know, the bra leaders were talking yesterday, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, this is the way we wish things were, and this is the way things really are. And we're going to have to adapt to the way things really are, but it's sort of sad that that's the way that people today choose to live their lives, this beautiful gift called life. And we choose to just waste it listening to false teachers and false teachings and adopting those as a lifestyle. And then we scratch our heads and wonder why our lives aren't working the way we want them to work. Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and until we attain to the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4.14. As a result of attaining and learning, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, carried about by the trickery of men, carried about by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in unconditional love, we are to grow up in all aspects into the image of him who is the head, even the Christ. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. See, you know, as a teacher, I I think I started teaching in 1976. So really, I've been teaching for 47 years. I'm, I'm very fortunate as a human being, and I recognized what my gift was at a very early age. I was 21 years old, my first year of graduate school, and I learned that what I love, what I would do for free that I want to get paid for is teaching. So I've been teaching for 47 years. I, I run into people who I have taught things to, and they start telling me things that I have taught them, and I, I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot that I taught them this stuff, honestly. But when you teach, you have exposure to people. And 47 years, that's almost half a century of exposure to teaching people. You learn some things about people. And what I know for a fact is that successful people work less than people who are not successful. What I know for a fact is it's easier to be successful than it is to be a bust out. I know that for a fact. People who are bust outs. And a bust out in my mind is somebody who's not doing what they want to do with their life. Work way harder at maintaining that mediocre lifestyle than anyone I know who's successful does at maintaining a successful lifestyle. The Lord wants his believers to grow up, to reflect, to get to know him, to know who we are because of our union with him. Well, are we doing that today? No. You know, you, you go through the airports of the world, you cannot see a person under the age of 30 without their phone in their hand and their face in their phone. Okay, I'm all for it. But what are they studying? Are they reading War and Peace? Are they studying the 10 things that will help you grow a small business? What are they studying? They're looking at dumb videos propagated by, uh, that come from China, TikTok, designed to take our concentration and take our minds. And we do it willingly. That is not what God wants for us. He wants us to know who we are as people who are in union with him. A famous soccer coach had sound advice for people who are not reflective in this life. He said, for people who don't listen to truth, adversity will teach them. That's right. Here's the way I say that. Do it the easy way or do it the hard way. To this coach, though, I would say maybe, but only if they want to learn. Adversity only teaches people when they want to learn. These are the things Paul was warning the Colossian believers about. And this is what I warn Christians who come to these messages about. Learn, grow up, equip, prepare before it's necessary. When's the last time you added an expertise to yourself? Because the truth of the matter is when I coach people in the executive realm, I'm teaching them to add an expertise to themselves every year. You do that for 10 years in a row and you'll be amazed. 
And I, I made a decision about that based on some coaching that I got when I was 25 years old. Over the first 10 years of my career, I added five expertises to myself. Generating new business. Working with customers to increase existing business. Leadership. Recruiting. Training. Marketing. Ten years in... I was a bad hombre. I was in a position to start my own business. Total dedication for 10 years. And then people that were my friends say, hey, you want to go out? You want to party? No, not really. I got some work to do this weekend. Oh, man, you're boring. You're an L7, dude. Uh, That's a square. Yeah, okay. Great. Yeah, I'm a square. And those, those people are still partying. They're still partying. 40 years later, still partying. Didn't change a bit. So these messages that you're hearing this morning, the same messages that Paul is sending to the Colossian believers, fall on deaf ears. Why? Because false teachers and their false teaching are sexier with their soundbite doctrines and their quick fix proposals. And that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants quick fix and some cutesy little message that they can go around repeating. Well, the next passage we'll study is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. And Paul gives the Colossian believers advice on how to live Christianity. Let's hear what he has to say. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep on seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. When you hear these verses, don't just look at the words. Make pictures in your head. What does that look like if you've been raised up with Christ? That means resurrected from the dead. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Where does Christ live? Where? Is this, a, is this a hard question for you? He lives in heaven. This is not a hard question. So picture that. Seated at the right hand of God, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on the earth. My mom would say it this way. Get your mind out of the gutter. Colossians 3, 3. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that even mean? What does it even mean that you as believers in Christ have died? What does it even mean that your life is hidden with Christ in God? Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. That's a future event. Do you even understand the magnificence of that future event in your life? Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Colossians 3, 6. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. You've got to be asking yourself, what is the wrath of God? Who are the sons of disobedience? Colossians 3, 7. 
and in them all those sins you also once walked when you were living in them. Well, when was I living in them? I'm a believer in Christ, but when was I living in all those sins? Colossians 3.8. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Colossians 3.9. Don't lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. There are a lot of believers in Christ who feel real comfortable letting lies come out of their mouths to make themselves look good, to make themselves look like they never do anything wrong. Colossians 3.10, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Colossians 3.11, A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Colossians 3.12 So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Colossians 3.14, Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Well, this passage divides neatly into three parts. Here are the three parts. Verses 1 to 4 are about this. Now that you're a Christian, you're on a new course. Right? When you were an unbeliever, you were headed right for the cliff. You were going to go over the cliff, and you were going to go right into the lake of fire. Now you're on a new course. You're on a heavenly course. And you don't have to get yourself there. God is going to take you there. Verses 5 to 11. Abandon the old man way of being, who you were as an unbeliever and who you are as a believer in Christ are very different. So what are you going to do? You're going to take off that old you like it's clothing and discard it. And then verses 12 to 17, pick up and put on the new self way of being. What? What the Lord did at the moment of salvation for you believers in Christ is he completely destroyed the old man person and completely created a new being. He did not polish up the old you. He killed it and then replaced it with something new. It's exactly what's going to happen at the end of the world. If you want to Look at what your future is all about as a believer in Christ. Read Revelation 21 and 22. And you'll be shocked at what's coming up for you. 
the earth and the universe as we know it right now is going to be completely destroyed. And there's going to be a new earth and a new universe. And that new earth and that new universe, on that new earth, there will be no sea. There will be no water. We won't need to be separated that way. All right, so let's take a look at the first part of this passage and look at it verse by verse. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Colossians 3, 1 says, Therefore, if you believers in Christ have been resurrected from the dead with Christ, and of course you have. Why? Because once you become a believer in Christ, you're in union with Christ. And everything that Christ has, you have. He died on a cross. So did you. He was buried. So were you. He was resurrected from the dead. So will you be in the future. So what are you to do in light of this amazing idea? Keep on seeking the things above. Keep on thinking about the eternal. One of the things that tickles me about rich people is that they're always building a little kingdom for themselves. And they, they learn how to make money. And then they learn how to make more money. And they learn how to make more money. And they learn how to make more money. And every day they're staring into their bank account. Oh, look, it grew another million last night while I was sleeping. Another million and another million. And then you ask them the question, hey, what kind of spiritual life do you have? Huh? Spiritual life. Do you believe there's a God? Yeah, there probably is a higher power. Well, what's the higher power's name? What do you mean? What, am I stuttering? What's the higher power's name? I, I don't know. Jesus? Yeah, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? You know, I'm not religious. I don't, I don't get into all that religious crap. I don't have time for that. No, you don't have time for that. You're too busy making your millions. But see, the morning that I was driving to my surgery, my back surgery a couple weeks ago, I knew that two things were going to happen. I was either going to wake up in the recovery room or I was going to wake up in heaven. And I knew that my bank account didn't mean a single thing. It meant nothing. It was just a number that I could pull up on my phone. It meant nothing. Yet, you have all these people in the world who are just phenomenal at making money, but they are pathetic amateurs at having a spiritual life. Now, for you that I teach, I don't want that to be your reality. I want you to know who you are in Christ, and I want you to be able to articulate it out of your mouth, who you are in Christ. I want you to be able to tell somebody who I am in Christ is I am in union with the sovereign God of the universe, and everything that's associated with him is associated with me. And when God the Father looks at me, he sees the same exact thing that he sees when he looks at Jesus Christ. What do you even mean by that? Well, when he looks at Jesus Christ, he sees that Jesus Christ is righteous. 
So when he looks at me, what does he see? I am righteous. What does that mean? That means that I have an admission ticket stamped on my head to heaven. That's what it means. Now, when you're going through your day-to-day work and you're frustrated by something that's going on, your boss isn't giving you the support you need, your wife or your husband doesn't see you, doesn't really value you as a human being, even though you're tremendously valuable. Doesn't it value, doesn't value the work you do, doesn't value who you are. Think about who you are in Christ. The sovereign God of the universe values you. What difference does it make if your boss values you or if your partner values you? The sovereign God of the universe values you. The sovereign God of the universe thinks you hung the moon. That's why you need to know who you are in Christ. So that when you're dealing with this crap that we have to deal with here on earth, you have a way to mentally cope with it. A way to mentally cope with it you would not have if you weren't here. Colossians 3.1, put it up. Therefore, if you believers in Christ have been resurrected from the dead with Christ, and of course you have, keep on seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. And guess what? Since you're associated with everything Christ has, where are you seated? Right there with him. You are seated at the right hand of God the Father. Yes? Rory, I can't be seated at the right hand of God the Father. I'm seated right here in Mesa, Arizona. It's spiritual. You don't understand an asset that the Lord gave you at the moment of salvation. You don't even know what that means. But it's true. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. From the moment of salvation, Christ set a new course for you. And everything true for Christ is true for believers in Christ. He's resurrected from the dead. You're, resurre- you're going to be resurrected from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. You're seated at the right hand of God the Father. Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? No. So why? Wh- what happens when you don't know who you are in union with Christ? You settle for legalism. You settle for, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do stuff for God. I gotta climb up the ladder of BS created by some false teacher to prove myself to God. The Lord Jesus Christ came down from heaven to you. He doesn't need you to climb up to him. As a matter of fact, in the olden days, the, the, the Tower of Babel was being built so that people could climb up to heaven. And you know what God, <laughs> you know what God did? He knocked it down. He doesn't need you to climb. So, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind, meaning set your longings on the things above and not the things on the earth. Stop thinking like the world thinks. We choose to learn about the Lord from his word. We take our direction from God the Holy Spirit, the divine GPS, and not from Satan and his world system of perversion. Colossians 3, 3. For your old man self, 
that who you were when you were an unbeliever has died from the moment of your salvation. It was crucified with Christ at the cross. And your resurrection life, eternal life as a gift from God, is hidden with Christ in God the Father. That's beautiful. So your life, this resurrection life you were given at the moment of salvation, is placed into an envelope. And that envelope is Jesus Christ. And that envelope is placed into another envelope. And that envelope is God the Father. And that envelope is being propelled through the universe by God the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's amazing. The amazingness of this is not apparent to you yet. It will be revealed in the future. We learn to think as God thinks and not as the world thinks. Colossians 3, 4. And when Christ, who is our resurrection life, is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Cannot wait for that day. Cannot wait for that day. That is, how do you like me now, day? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. As believers in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven, from which heaven also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is coming back. For what's his. All the people who think of Christians as Bible thumpers and phonies because we still sin after our salvation will watch us parade victoriously right behind our victor, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As children of the Lord, we fix our eyes on Jesus and we eagerly wait for him to come back for us. When we close our eyes in this life, what happens? Even though we walk through our very own death-shadowed valley, we cannot fear. You with me. The Lord Jesus Christ, when you close your eyes in this life, gives you a personal escort to heaven. That's who you are in Christ. If I taught you who you are in Christ, it would take me 20 years. Because there's so much that you are in Christ. When we return from the break, we'll study the rest of the passage. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life, I've been told I belong. At the end of the line, with all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rested me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders, nobody would have chosen, and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear that devil start talking to me, saying, Who 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 to 17, here's what the Apostle Paul has to say about giving. As you know, Philippians, at the first preaching of the gospel, and that was in Paul's first missionary journey, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Philippians 4.16 For even in Thessalonica, in Paul's second missionary journey, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Philippians 4.17 Not that I seek the gift for myself, even though I appreciate it, but I seek the profit which increases to your account from God. 
when you give. One of the great pleasures of life is giving, especially to this ministry, so that anyone who wants to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ can do so free of charge. In addition, it's a privilege to see how God blesses you for your giving. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall back from his vacation with one of his always inspiring offering messages. It's like a a special person there I added in. Good morning. morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm happy to be a deacon at Barah Ministries because this is a place of hope. This is a place where you can cancel out the negativity of the world and give yourself hope in life. And this this is also a place where we're hiring, so it's also a fun thing to say here at Barah Ministries. We're hiring. And, you know, a lot like... Um, the ministry here is the body of Christ. So hurry and get here because, you know, the later you get here, you won't be able to pick your body part in Christ. Get, get your minds out of the gutter. Let's go. Come on. But seriously, like, you know, it's a tricky part because in order to get grants from the government, you have to have systems and people in place. But in order to have those people in place, you have to be able to pay those people. So it's kind of a wicked cycle. So can't promise any any payment right away as we hire these people and hire these new people, but I have hope that they will come and that God will provide them. Amen. And I'm thinking about a lot of hope lately and how we marry up hope with our money in things. And so I was looking up hope in the Bible and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 really stood out to me. And it said, let us believers in Christ keep on holding fast to our confession of hope, doing so without wavering for the Lord whose promises give us hope, is faithful. So what do we put our hope in and add our money to it? You know, like when I start my truck every morning, I hope it starts. And I've put money into it, battery and service and repairs and all that stuff. And, you know, what about a pizza? You order a pizza. You hope it shows up. You hope it shows up right. You've spent money on it. And, you know, there's little things like everybody's watching March Madness, right? Right now, right? You've probably put some money on some brackets, and you have hope that your one seed will last or that you won't have upsets. And how much hope do you put in these things? But you, you know they're going to come true. So when we put that hope and we marry it up in union with Christ, when we put our time, talent, and treasure in union with Christ, we know, like this verse says, the, for the Lord whose promises give, give us hope is faithful. So when I know that when you come here and you put your time, talent, treasure in union with Christ, it will be very, very efficient. It will be very, very. It won't be sacrificial for you. It will be a little bit, but in the end, it will allow everybody to come to a knowledge of Christ. It will allow everybody to have a relationship with Christ. And we need to disarm this ministry because it's hard to come in here. It's a small place, but we love visitors and we need visitors. And um, let's in- invite them and our friends and everybody we can. Let's flood Denise with emails to get our coolest part out, our newsletter, because it's amazing. And thank you, Denise. So thank you all for your giving. Thank you all for the stuff that you do for this church already. But let's step up and let's do more because we're hiring. And um, don't don't be last because we'll know what that is, right? <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
How about now? I'm glad I did because I was saying all kind of terrible things in the in the break. I didn't want anybody to hear any of those. Today's Bible lesson, Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? Do you know who you are in union with Christ? Well, it's pretty depressing being a teacher sometime. I was watching a Netflix special on David Koresh and the Waco incident that happened back in 1993. It's three, three uh, episodes, so you might want to check it out. But the thing that I marveled at is how these 85 people absolutely adored this guy, absolutely believed that he was the Messiah, and that they were willing to die for him. Them and their whole family were willing to die for him. And I I just wonder what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) I'm wondering what I'm doing wrong as a teacher because I don't know that I can get anybody at Brown Ministries to walk me across the street. You know, if I said, hey, you know, my back's hurting a little bit. Could you just hold my arm across the street? Could I get anybody to do that? (laughs) Holy hell, I'm doing stuff wrong. And, you know, we don't we don't talk about tithing. Here at Barah Ministries, you, if you don't give 10% of your income to the church, God's going to damn you to hell. And, you know, maybe I'm just doing that wrong. And maybe teaching the truth, I'm just doing it wrong. You know, I should be lying to people and telling them, you know, if you don't do these 10 things, you should fully doubt whether you're a Christian and whether you could get to heaven. Because that seems to be working really, really well out in the world. Say that again. Then he pulled out his notebook and said, what are the 10 things again? He said, yeah, that's right. You better believe it's the the broad road that leads to destruction. So how does the Lord expect his believers in Christ to handle the old self after salvation? He doesn't take it away. And the old self is that part of you resident in your body that hates God, that hates you, and hates everything that's special to you. So how does the Lord expect you as a believer in Christ to handle the old self after salvation? That's what we'll be looking at in the next passage. And he expects you to handle it like dirty clothes. He expects you to take off the temptation of the old self. And instead of washing the clothes, he expects you to throw them away. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 11. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to all forms of idolatry including sexual immorality, like pornography, which is absolutely rampant, clicking on images and preferring images to relationships with human beings. Impurity, dirty thoughts and speech, passion uncontrolled, orgies, evil desire, wanting everything that God forbids, and greed, the more, more, more approach to life, the approach to life where you're never satisfied and always trying to get more and more and climb the ladder and be better and better and better and better. Idolatry is conduct unbecoming of a Christian. Colossians 3, six. For it is because of a lifestyle run by these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, unbelievers. And that's what we're talking about, about wealthy people, that they make a lot of money, they give up their souls and and 
you know, what what is that verse that you were mentioning, Denise? For what will what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Yeah, good question. That more, more, more lifestyle. Well, they pay attention to that, but they don't pay attention to their relationship with God, and they become sons of disobedience, unbelievers. We all come here as unbelievers, but we don't have to leave here that way. There's no reason why anybody has to be at the wrong end of the wrath of God, but a lot of people are. Colossians 3, 7. And in these things, you believers in Christ once walked as a lifestyle when you were living in them, when you were a spiritually dead unbeliever. So one of the things that we believers in Christ must do is not forget where we come from. You know, we can look at unbelievers and we can say, well, how stupid are they for not believing in Christ? But we were there one time, too, and we were that stupid. And when we were that stupid, we weren't seeking Christ. He, he sought us. Jesus Christ is so be- unbelievably simple. Hey, Jesus, uh, this is Rory Clark from uh, ABC News. Can you tell me why you came to the earth? Sure, Rory, to seek and save what was lost. He came to seek and save the lost. That's it. That's you. So simple. And once you believe in him, you are no longer lost. You've been found. So don't forget where you came from. As unbelievers, we were spiritually dead. We lived in the sphere of sin. We were under the sovereignty of sin. Now we're not. But being human... We always want to return to the old self way of doing things. Proverbs 26, verse 11, illustrates it like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. There is nothing grosser than that, where your dog throws up and then goes back and eats it again. That's what we do. We got rid of the old self, we threw it up, and then we go back and eat it again. It's disgusting. Believers in Christ are like Pigpen, the character from Charlie Brown. God showers us by paying for our sins with his blood at the cross, and then we go right back to the sandbox and put the dirt on again. Sin always results in some kind of death in our lives, the ruin, ruination of things valuable to us. And when we engage in these things, we call it fun. It is not fun. When we were unbelievers, we just didn't do these things. We lived these things. But now that we're believers in Christ, that lifestyle is dead. And we need to let the dead part of ourselves be dead and stay dead. And we need to stop listening to it. The flesh always offers up antagonistic rebellion. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. That... that is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me when I hear people saying that. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Well, you just screwed yourself because now what you're saying is that the person that you're going to listen to is you. That is bad news for you because everybody needs a coach. Any believer in Christ who feels that way is an absolute fool. You do have teachers You are listening to someone, even if you want to pretend that you don't want anybody telling you what to do. And it is probably someone that does not have your best interests in mind. Colossians 3.8. But now, believers in Christ, put sins aside. Remove anger, 
a hostile attitude. Wrath, outbursts of rage, especially when you're driving. Yes, everybody who drives is crazy. Malice, being mean-spirited, slander, destroying reputation with words. Never easier to do than today on social media. People will get on social media and are legally dumb and they will post these things in writing that are assailing the reputation of other people and have no idea that they're putting themselves at risk for being sued. And getting sued for slander can jam you up, even if you don't have any money. But people aren't, aren't all that bright. And abusive speech, that's cussing someone out from your mouth. Those are the things that we lay aside. It's God, the Holy Spirit's job to change us. And when he suggests things to change, we need to say yes. Believers in Christ are not the old man's self. The old man's self is dead. Well, what does the Lord want us to do? Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another, since at the moment of salvation you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Colossians 3.10. And now you've put on the new self who is being renewed by God to a true knowledge according to the image of the one, the Lord, God the Son, who created the new self. You are being changed every day by God the Holy Spirit. Do you feel it? No. Do you recognize when it's happening? Probably not. But all of a sudden, you start handling things differently that you wouldn't have handled that way 10 years ago. Colossians 3.11. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew. There is no racial distinction. People who are racist are stupid. People who think that they're better than somebody else because of the nation they came from or the color of their skin are flat-out stupid. That is just stupid. And, And by adopting that stupidity, you make yourself lesser than the person that you're disgusted by. Circumcised and uncircumcised. There's no physical ritual distinction. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you are Jewish and circumcised or Gentile and not circumcised. Barbarian and Scythian. Barbarian was the slang term for foreigners. Scythian was the slang term for savages. It doesn't matter whether you're a foreigner or a savage. It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or a free man. There's no social class distinction with God. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or upper class or middle class or lower class. Look how the world runs things. It's always putting you in a bucket. You would think that when you're lower class, that's what I was born. I was born poor. I was born lower class. And we were taught to aspire to be upper class. So I aspired, and I went from lower class to middle class to upper class. And what happened all along the way? I was hated when I was lower class. I was hated when I was middle class. And I was hated when I was upper class. Amen? Thank you, Satan. Thank you for not changing things and making my life difficult for me. I was hated, hated, hated all the time. I love being hated. I love being hated. That's what people who are my enemies can't understand. Why does he just keep bouncing back when he's hated? Because that's all I've ever been is hated. I love it. I love it. 
I get up every morning and I got a hate dial in my room and I just hug the hate dial. All right, let's go. Let's go out today and be hated again. Because anytime you're trying to do something amazing, you're going to be hated for it. You think people like it that, I, that I'm a pastor? They don't. Oh, you're a pastor? Well, you swear. <laughs> you know what comes right after somebody says that, right? <laughs> so Christ is all things, and he is indwelling all things, and specifically that's a reference to his believers. So we learn from experience as believers in Christ that returning to sin is absolutely ridiculous. Romans chapter 6 Verse 2 says this, How shall we believers in Christ, the children of a king, who died to sin as an established fact at the moment of our salvation, still live in sin as if sin is still our master? The answer is easy. We don't. Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? When we live the new self, which is a lifestyle crafted by God to be lived from the inside out, Here's what people will see. That's the final passage that we'll study today. You'll notice the fruit of the Spirit, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. So, as those who are the chosen ones of God the Father, who are you in Christ? You're a chosen one of God the Father. What does that mean? Selected out for privilege, saved, predestined. What does predestined mean? that everything you would ever need in your life has already been paid for by God. Made saints, hagias, holy ones, and selected as divinely loved ones. That's what the word beloved means, a divinely loved one. Put on as your spiritual clothing a heart of compassion, which is tenderness toward those who are hurting. So what do you do in the middle passage? You take off the old self. You take off that clothing and you burn it. You discard it. What do you do instead? Put on new spiritual clothing, new self-clothing, a heart of compassion, tenderness toward those who are hurting, kindness, a sweet disposition, humility, the chief characteristics of G- characteristic of Jesus Christ, gentleness and patience, self-restraint when you're wronged without a desire to retaliate. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, endurance and overlooking faults, forgiving each other, making room for differences of opinion. You're Republican, I'm Democrat. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. You remember what Peter said, how many times should I forgive Someone, Lord, seven times, because the Mosaic law called for three times. Peter thought he was being generous. Seven times? (laughs) And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. Ooh, forgiveness is the only way for you to have control in relationships when you have a grievance against someone, because they will never pay you what you think they owe you. Colossians 3.14, beyond all these things, put on the unconditional love that comes through God, which is the perfect bond of unity. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Peace of Christ means God has nothing against you. 
to which peace indeed you were called in one body and be thankful that God has nothing against you. All believers in Christ are in union with Christ and have been placed by God into a bond of unity. So the people who are Christians who have hurt you, you're still in union with them. There's still a unity. And just because they broke, they think they broke the bond of unity, they really didn't. Because you can't break what God creates. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's why we come here. That's why you don't do these lessons just one time. You do them over and over and over again so that the words that are coming out of my mouth come out of your mouth before they come out of my mouth. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all spiritual wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, instructing, advising, and warning each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What does admonishing each other mean exactly? Well, I saw a friend of mine post a picture on Instagram, and this was a person who was really starting to make a move in her career. And this picture was her of her in a bikini. And I called her and said, get it down. Take that off. No. That's admonishing. Why? Because at, at the exact time, when two years from that picture being posted, when she really starts to get a, a groove going, somebody that could help her is going to scan her Instagram, see that, and say, this, this person has no integrity. Or whatever, you know, they'll use different words. So no. That's what we do for each other as the body. And not everybody in the body appreciates it when we tell them, you know what? You're better than that. There are a lot of people who don't want to hear it. When you, tell, when, when, when you say to them, you aren't living the life you ought to be living. You're better than that. You're the child of a king. Act like it. Now, when we live this way as believers in Christ, when we do these new self things, when, when we adopt that lifestyle that God the Holy Spirit is changing us into, there are always those people, most of them Christians, of course, who want to take advantage of these qualities in us. And they always seem to think that we don't have a breaking point. Well, even the Lord had a breaking point. When the Lord was dealing with Satan, there's a time when he's going to say, okay, enough's enough. We all have a breaking point. I was listening to a comedian yesterday, and she said, you know what? I'm a Christian, but I will punch a hoe. (laughs) And I like that. She said, I will shank somebody. And what was she saying? She's saying she's not a doormat. Colossians 3.17, whatever you believers in Christ do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father and the power of God the Holy Spirit. The dead old man self in you will be with you until you close your eyes in this life. And that's one of the glories of closing your eyes in this life, that you no longer have to carry this 
damnation body around that has the old self in it that's always tempting you to do what you ought not to not do. This body of yours, this flesh, will never improve itself, and you will not improve it. And see, that's what the false teachers and their legalistic doctrines want you to believe, that you can do something in your willpower to change the flesh. You can't. It's dead. But you can choose not to listen to its sexy temptations from false teachers and their false teachings. God is perfecting us through the new self. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I, Paul, and all believers in Christ have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives indwelling me. And the resurrection life which I now live in the flesh, my physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me unconditionally and gave himself up as a sin substitute for me. Here's another way to read this. I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer the I life that lives, but Christ lives indwelling me. Christ is the pilot of my life. I love that bumper sticker, that stupid bumper sticker. Jesus is my co-pilot. You wish. If Jesus was on the plane, you don't even deserve to be on the plane. You're co-pilot. He is the pilot of the life of a believer in Christ. And the resurrection life, which I now live in the flesh, my physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me unconditionally and gave himself up as a sin substitute for me. Isn't it great to be on the winning team? Our uniform is white. It is unspoiled. It is unspotted. It is perfect. It is not gray. It is not black. And as believers in Christ, we have won the spiritual game. Just how badly we beat Satan's world team will be abundantly clear to everyone in the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says this, Thanks be to God the Father, who gives us believers in Christ the victory through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. For now, we'll just let God the Holy Spirit keep on perfecting us. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I, Paul, am confident of this very thing, that God the Father, who began a good work in you, will keep on perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus. Christians, do you know who you are in union with Christ? If you don't, Is it time to set aside time to learn? The closing moments of today's lesson are dedicated to anyone anywhere who is either undecided or confused about having a relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. Everyone listening to this message should know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your creator. John chapter 1 verse 3 says this. All things came into being through the Lord God the Son. And apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, The one who does not love unconditionally does not know the Lord, for the Lord is unconditional love in his very being. If you think those things are true, 
you have to conclude that there's no reason for you to end up in the lake of fire, commonly referred to as hell, when you close your eyes in this life. To go to heaven, you have to choose a relationship with Christ. God considers you to be a sinner from the moment of physical birth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says that from the moment of your physical birth, you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. Spiritually dead sinners need a Savior, and the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord sent this message, the gospel message, to you. Good news about his salvation offer, because he wants a relationship with you. First Timothy chapter 2 Verses 3 and 4, more simplicity from the Lord. This is what's good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires all men to be saved and who desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's something the Lord doesn't want for you. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of, Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance, which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You will go to the lake of fire at physical death if you choose not to believe in Jesus Christ. To make a place for you in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ forgives all your sins. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says this, I, even I, the Lord, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Who is this God that saves you? The apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, the apostle Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. You don't have to work to be saved. In fact, you can't work to be saved. Romans chapter 11 verse 6 says this, If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer based on your works. Otherwise, grace, is no longer grace. This loving, forgiving, patient God offers you the chance to be saved as a free gift. And he wants to save you right this minute. Right where you sit right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household, who also believes. So heed the warning and accept the invitation of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. The Lord warns those who reject his salvation offer In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then the Lord Jesus Christ will say to those on his left, that's unbelievers, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Believe me, you never want to hear those words. 
When you get to know Jesus Christ, you'll have no problem placing your confidence in him, both for your salvation and for everything else. Why? Because you know that the sovereign God of the universe wants a relationship with you, he loves you, and he died for you. Take advantage of his grace and choose to be saved. Well, in John chapter 3, verse 3, the Lord said to a religious Pharisee, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, the spiritual birth, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Here is June Murphy to remind us that the only way to heaven is to be born again. lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see once under condemnation now I have been redeemed once in the dark now in the light because I have believed in the death and resurrection of Christ to set me free. Father's mighty hand I know I've been forgiven Of each and every sin Because I have believed in Christ Who died and rose again
grateful Heavenly Father for this chance to hear a lesson and we thank you for reminding us who we are in union with Christ. We pray that you sear our identity into our hearts through God the Holy Spirit, our divine mentor and teacher, so that under pressure we will not forget who we are. Help us choose the lifestyle you prefer for us so that others might see the fruit of the Spirit reflected in us and inquire as to the source of our hope. As we go out into the world, help us go with confidence that whatever we choose for our lives, as long as it is within your will, you will help us achieve. Give us the courage to keep on learning, to keep on growing, and to keep on being transformed through the renewing of our minds by the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Got biblical questions? Ask the pastor. Pastor at BarahMinistries.com. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.